Hello again, Deacon Allen here again. Uh, today we're moving on to Unit 7 in uh, A Primer of Ecclesiastical Latin by John F. Collins. And here we introduce another form of verbs. We've talked about the active in all of its, in, well, not all, in all of its tenses before. This time we're talking about the passive voice. In particular, we'll be looking at the present indicative passive. Difference between an active verb and a passive verb is, is uh, who's doing the action, right? Is the subject doing the action? Then you need an active verb. If the action is being done to the subject, then you use a passive form of the verb. So any transitive verb, that's a verb where action moves from subject to object, uh, may occur in the passive voice, in which case it'd be coming from the uh, object to the subject. Um, and uh, uh, it, there, in the, there are some uh, complications here, but there's one nice, easy thing to keep in mind. All four conjugations in Latin have the same passive personal endings. So that's a nice little gift to you from Latin to you uh, that to make uh, this simple. All right, so we see on, on uh, page 56 the passive endings. In the singular, we have OR or R, uh, but it's that, that form doesn't... Uh, doesn't occur in the in the uh, present indicative passive. So um, O R R I S RIS or RE, and we'll talk about this. This is a little complication because it wouldn't be Latin if it didn't have a little complication here and there. <laughs> All right, and then uh, TUR T U R. Those are the singular endings, and the plural endings are MUR, MINI, and UNTUR. Actually, you know, um, Father Moriarty, uh, when, when he was in school, uh, told me that he, he liked to, uh, uh, he had just kind of memorized it almost like it was a, like it was a phrase, um, oris tur mur mini untur, <laughs> just, just so that you could remember the endings. Um, uh, I've done that too with the future uh, uh, tense, you know, with bo, bi, 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 boo, <laughs> you know, um, bo, bi, 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 boo, yeah, I got all six of them. Um, uh, as a way of, of remembering how they go. Um, all right. Notice that the second person singular, you have ris and also re. And as we look at the verbs uh, in each of the four conjugations, this is a little complication in that um, the, uh, the second person singular can therefore have the same form as the uh, infinitive, the second uh, principal part that we're used to seeing. That's um, that, and so you'll you'll be able to tell it by context. So let's look at our first conjugation, our sample verb laudo, laudare, laudabi, laudatus to praise. The present infinitive is laudare, so we drop, just as we did with the, uh, with the active, we drop the RE ending, 
and we add our endings. Um, note that the stem vowel, which in this case is a long A, drops before the first person singular form, uh, the OR, so you get laudor. And then we get laudaris, for uh, you singular are praised, and also laudare, which we're used to thinking of as to praise, the infinitive, but here uh, it's, a, it's an alternate form of the second person singular. And then laudatur. In the plural, we have laudamur, laudamini, laudantur. Um, notice, just as with the, uh, um, uh, with the active, uh, the stem vowel, the a, uh, shortens before the, uh, the endings in the third person plural, so it shortens before the untur. Um, And just as with our active, where we said there's I praise and I am praising, have those two different aspects in the same way here, we have I am being praised or uh, um, I am praised, okay? All right, moving on to the second conjugation. Again, the same thing. We drop the, uh, um, uh, we take the, uh, the present infinitive stem and we drop the RE. So our, our sample verb here is moneo, monere, monu, monitus, to warn or to advise. The present infinitive would be monere, the second pr uh, principal part. And so we get the present stem by going to mone, just as we did with the, uh, with, uh, the active. And then we add the endings. Note that the stem vowel, which is for the second conjugation, is a long e becomes a short e before another vowel. So we get moneor with a short e. But we get moneris, and again, just as with the first conjugation, monere uh, is a possible for the second person singular, you singular, are warned, even though it looks like the infinitive, and we're going to have to tell by context. And then monetur, and the plurals are monemur, monemini, and monentur, and again the e shortens uh, before the uh, the um, third person plural ending entur. All right. Now we move on to the third conjugation. Remember that that macron over the second principal part is very important because you're going to see here that the, uh, the more of these uh, tenses you learn and voices and you know, and so forth, you're going to see that the first and second conjugations have a lot of similarities, and the third and fourth conjugations have a lot of similarities. But since in their infinitive, their second principal part, the second conjugation and the third conjugation look the same, except there's a short e for the third conjugation and a long e for the second. That's important. So when you learn your words, again, I have to stress this, write them, learn them with the macron, even though you won't see it written that way generally in a Latin text. Um, that way you know what conjugation you're in so that you can uh, uh, form the, the, the uh, forms of, of the, uh, the different forms that the verb will take. And then also, um, stress again, if you can get it and find it, and it, again, I think they've, they've got the new edition is out now, uh, Barron's uh, um, 501 Latin verbs is an invaluable uh, 
resource to have with you if you're going to go on in Latin at all. All right, so the third conjugation, remember we have two different types of those. We have the O type and the IO type. Uh, so our, 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 our third conjugation sample verb for the O type, we have duco, ducere, duxi, ductus. Um, present infinitive is ducere. And so, again, we whack the RE off and we get duce. Although this, uh, <laughs> here's a complication because, well, why not? It's Latin. Um, that duce becomes duci or ducu. Okay? You're just going to have to memorize this. Again, they're all of them, all of these O-type third conjugation verbs are going to follow this pattern. So if you just learn this with, with, uh, with uh, duco, uh, uh, you'll be able to apply it to others. So ducor, I am led. Duceris, okay, that, all right, that's just uh, um, going with the, du, the duce. Um, but also ducere. Again, looking a lot like the infinitive, uh, you singular are led. Ducitur, he, she, or it is led. Ducimur, we are led. Instead of ducem, ducemur, it's ducimur. Ducimini, you are led. Ducuntur, um, they are led. The stem vowel is dropped, uh, just as the other ones were before the ending or. The third conjugation, I-O type, and our sample verb here is capio, capere, cepi, captus, to take or to receive. Uh, uh, the present infinitive is capere, and so the present stem, whack the R-E off, we get cape, but that, just as with our, uh, our O type, that could also become duci or ducu, here this can become capi or capiu, okay? So we get capior, Caperis and capere, again, looks like it could be the, the infinitive, and so its context is what's going to tell you that. Capitur, capimur is the plural, first person plural. Capimi, capimi, sorry. Uh, capimini uh, and capiuntur. Um, notice that in all third conjugation verbs, uh, both O type and IO type, um, the second singular forms retain the original stem vowel, the E, okay? Instead of the I or the U that comes up, okay? So, but those, those are the, those uh, are the same just as with first and second conjugation, but the others are a little different. Fourth conjugation in our sample uh, verb here is audio, audire, audivi, auditus, to hear, the present infinitive, audire. So we whack the re off and we get audi, which can also be audiu when it comes especially to the uh, third, when it comes to the third person plural. Um, so all of those, uh, the, uh, um, uh, these third and fourth ones uh, always go to untur, whereas first and second uh, is uh, keeps keeps its stem vowel, although it shortens it. All right, so we have again audior, I am heard, audiris or audire. Again, it looks like the infinitive, but it's another form of the second person singular. You singular are heard. 
auditur, he, she, or it, is heard. Audimur, we are heard. Audimini, you are heard, you plural are heard, y'all are heard. Um, and audiuntur, they are heard. Again, uh, the, the U is short. Stem vowel in the first and uh, uh, um, singular shortens before another vowel, just as with the others. All right. Um, this is actually something that will come up much later, but if you're doing, if you're reading Latin texts, you may be surprised, especially if you're following the mass. Don't you see, with that O-R ending, you see, oh, confiteor, I believe. Like, or, or I confess, right? You know, I confess to Almighty God, confiteor. Oh, but wait a minute. That doesn't mean I am confessed. It is, it's... It's, uh, it's not passive, it's active. Well, that's an example of a kind of verb that we'll get to know and uh, either love or loathe uh, down the road um, that are called deponent verbs. Um, and I'll just mention them in passing here, uh, uh, although it's, like I say, it'll be, it'll be something we'll, we'll be uh, covering in, in more detail in a later chapter. <clears throat> um, uh, Actually, you know, it's uh, quite quite later. You might be uh, into uh, uh, Dr. May's class by the time uh, it's Latin too before you get to them for real. But just so that if this surprises you when you say to confidio deo nipotenti, you know, uh, wait, this has an active meaning. It doesn't mean I am confessed uh, to Almighty God. <laughs> um, uh, that deponent verbs look passive in form, but they're active in meaning, and there are several of them, uh, and you just have to learn them when they come up. Um, but that's something for another day. Again, they're going to be very regular, and so if you learn them and learn their principal parts, uh, you'll be able to decline them properly. Um, I mean, not decline them, conjugate them properly. Uh, but, uh, um, uh, but that's just something to, to whet your appetite for another complexity for the Latin language. All right. Moving on, the ablative of personal agency. This is a little different. You know, we've had the ablative with the sense of, remember, the ablative seems to have the by, with, or from kind of attached to it. And this clearly has that sense too. In form, it's going to look a lot like what we covered in a previous chapter about the ablative of, like, you know, for the, those words, verbs that involve releasing um, something, the ablative of separation, uh, Collins called it. This uh, is the ablative of personal agency. We're thinking about by, you know, as in something being done by somebody, but the preposition ah, or ob or ops if it comes before a vowel, um, can be used in this construction. In fact, it's always used in this construction, which is makes it uh, in form look like that ablative of separation, but it's almost the complete opposite. So we get our sample, nostra peccata a Cristo delentur. Delentur, here we are in the passive, so, and it's a passive um, third person plural, right? Um, our sins, nostra peccata, or peccata nostra, you could say, uh, delentur, our are, are uh, destroyed or deleted <laughs> um, 
a Christo, by Christ. All right? And uh, the ablative also is generally used with certain adjectives. Some adjectives that are given to us. Um, uh, dinius aum, or indinius aum, so worthy or unworthy of, although it takes the ablative. So if we were translating literally into English, we'd almost think that it should be the genitive, but it doesn't. So dinius or indinius um, and plenus aum, full of. So our example sentences here, puer est premio dinius, or indinius, the boy is worthy of a reward. Um, so in English we would use of, but in Latin it's using the ablative, okay, instead of the genitive. Terra est gloria dei plena, the earth, terra, est, is, gloria dei, the glory of God, plena. But gloria is um, in the ablative, let's see, with the macron over it. Um, all right. Very good. Um, moving on to our vocabulary, and we, get, we have a fair amount of vocabulary here. Here's a verb in the first conjugation, because you can see from its second principal part that it's got a long A. Celebro, or celebro, celebrare, celebravi, cere, celebratus, to celebrate. That's pretty obvious, right? And uh, if, just as with other verbs, you can tack a preposition in front of it, and that has a, 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 a sense of, uh, you know, changes the meaning slightly, so con celebro. Concelebrare, concelebravi, concelebratus, to celebrate together. And obviously in uh, Christian usage, we get the sense of con-celebrate. You know, if you have two or more priests saying mass together, they are con-celebrating. Um, all right. Um, it would also, I think, have that intensifying meaning. Remember, a couple of chapters ago, we had the example of laudo and putting cum in front of it, we got collaudo, because it assimilates, right, the, the consonant assimilates, collaudo, and in the plural, it had the sense of, of praising together, but in the singular, it had the sense of praising exceedingly. So in the same way, I suppose you could say, uh, uh, con celebro, would have that sense of, you know, celebrating a lot, <laughs> okay, if it's used in the singular, because it wouldn't make sense to say I'm celebrating together with myself, okay. Another verb in the uh, first conjugation, firmo, firmare, firmavi, firmatus, to strengthen or to make steady, and obviously that's related to our word firm um, in English. And, again, you can tack prepositions in front of it to shade the meaning a little bit or intensify it, and so we get affirmo, affirmare, affirmavi, affirmatus, to prove or to assert. And obviously our English word affirm uh, is, uh, is uh, related to this. Um, uh, so in the sense of I affirm that 
you know, do you swear or solemnly affirm that the testimony you will give is true to the best of your knowledge? I do. No. Um, I, I'm asserting. Okay. But it also has a sense of proving, uh, which the English word affirm doesn't necessarily have. And similarly, if we put cum in front of it, we get confirmo, confirmare, confirmavi, confirmatus, to strengthen or to uphold. Uh, and again, our English word confirm um, uh, is, is derived from this. Okay, another first conjugation verb, sano, sanare, sanabi, sanatus, to heal. It can also mean to save. Um, we get uh, uh, our um, English word, obviously, uh, the whole line of words like sanitation, uh, sanate, uh, sanity, um, san someone is sane, or sanatorium, and it has that sense of health or healing, right? Uh, now we get a third conjugation. How do we know it's third conjugation? Again, because it's got a short E, not a long E. Dico, dicere, dixi, dictus. Right. Um, and uh, this is uh, to say or to tell. But if you do it in the passive, it also means to be called. Okay. Um, and uh, 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 we get our words like diction, dictionary. Um, you know, uh, from from uh, from this word. Uh, uh, what are some other you know, possible uh, derivatives that we might have? You know, um, indict in, in <laughs> uh, to or a, a dictum. If you're a, if you are familiar with the law, we talk about uh, you know if a if a legal uh, opinion by the court. Those things that are that are actually address the issue in front of it, those are those are the actual holding of the case. But if the judge then, in the course of say deciding a, you know, a case on one uh, uh, area, say First Amendment, you know, freedom of speech or something like that, then in, an, in makes a passing comment about something else. It may give you a hint where the court is going so that if another kind of case comes up in front of it, you'd think, I'm going to make that argument because I know that judge is, is leaning in that direction. Um, but in, in legalese, we call that a dictum, which means it's just something the judge said. It doesn't have any precedential value. But, of course, if a judge has said it, it is uh, like in a future case, it might have precedential value when you actually get something that's on point with that. Um, but anyway, so those are all words that are, come from the same verb, dico, uh, dicere, dixi, dictus. And again, you can put things in front. So if you put the, the, the uh, uh, adverb bene, well, uh, in front of it, you get benedico, benedicere, benedixi, benedictus. And that means to speak well of, literally. In, especially in a Christian context, it has the sense of blessed or blessed, to bless something. Um, and uh, obviously in English we get words like benediction, and of course the name Benedict um, from that. 
male dico, male dicere, male dixi, male dictus is putting the adverb male in front of us, which means well, or means uh, ill or, or badly or evil. So this is to speak evil of someone or something, and, sense, and hence it has a sense of curse. So it's the opposite of benedico. We get to anima anime, and I'm surprised again, I've mentioned this before, that Collins waited until uh, Unit 7 to introduce us to this word, because it comes up all the time in Christian Latin, and it's a first declension noun. Anima anime is uh, the soul, or life. Um, notice that its dative and ablative plural, however, are different. Maybe that's why he delayed teaching it to us. Um, and this is because we've already learned animus, the masculine form of this. This is the feminine form. Animus declines like a normal second declension masculine noun, and it means the spirit or life force, but it doesn't have any supernatural kind of sense to it, whereas anima in a Christian context does. This, in a Christian context, probably wouldn't to a, to a, a pagan Roman, but to a Christian context, anima implies the Christian doctrine of the immortal soul of a human being. Um, and its dative and ablative plural is animabus which is different. You would think that it would be animis, but it's not. It's animabus. Um, why is this different? Well, because in both those, you got two nouns that are related to each other, but they're different genders and different declensions um, that would have the exact same form <laughs> um, in, uh, 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 in the... Um, Dative and ablative plural, and so that's probably why the Romans would have done this. In this class, we're really only working with the first and second declensions. That's more than enough to deal with for the time being. As you get further into Latin, um, and you get to the third, fourth, and fifth declensions, uh, the plural, dative, and ablative, they will all have that bus kind of ending. Um, and so this would not seem at all unusual to a Latin speaker to have had this boost, even though it's a first uh, declension noun. All right. Well, let's get, after that little complication on the first declension that you thought you had down cold, uh, now let's give you one that is not complicated. Letizia Letizia gladness or joy. Um, we get uh, the um, feminine name Letitia, if it comes up at all, uh, uh, from this. Okay, um, And this is related to the verb letare, to rejoice, that we get from our, um, uh, in the uh, uh, fourth Sunday of Lent is called Letare Sunday, Rejoice Sunday, or a Praise Sunday, um, and uh, and so that's where this comes from. It's this is just the noun form. Here's another one: Liturgia, Liturgiae, 
This is uh, the divine service or liturgy, and obviously that's what it means. Um, this, incidentally, is a word that comes from the Greek, as so many of our Christian uh, Latin words will. And, uh, um, and it literally means the work of the people. So meaning the, like the, 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 the laity. Uh, so it's all of us together. That's what makes it liturgy. Even though, and even when we, when we as clerics in particular, uh, bishops, priests, and deacons, are doing the liturgy on our own, like if a priest is saying mass sine populo without the people, uh, or if we are privately praying uh, the liturgy of the hours, the divine office, it's still the work of the people. Because even if I'm alone in my, uh, you know, in my room with my breviary in front of me, uh, praying the office, I am doing the church's work. And consequently, I am, as a cleric and as and a layperson doing this too, united with the entire church in doing it. So even when we're doing it individually, we're doing it together. That's why even when a priest is saying Mass all by himself, without a server present, you know, he'll still say, Dominus Vobiscum, the Lord be with you, in the plural. You know, he doesn't say it to himself, the Lord be with me and with my spirit. You know, <laughs> he, he, uh, he, he says, the Lord be with you and, with, and, and, re, and responds, and with your spirit. Um, because uh, 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 we are, quite literally, we are all in this together. We are all the body of Christ. Even if only one of us is praying, we are praying on behalf of and with the whole church. So there's there's a lot there just to unpack in that word, uh, liturgy, uh, liturgia, liturgia. Misericordia, misericordia. This is mercy, kindness, pity. Um, uh, it's really a compound word, um, merciful heart, with a merciful heart, okay? Um, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, a psalm that's uh, especially said on Fridays in morning prayer and also especially on Good Friday, and there's that beautiful setting uh, uh, that is often sung um, uh, by Victoria, called uh, uh, of Psalm 51, or in the Vulgate, it's Psalm 50, uh, Miserere, have mercy on me, O Lord, uh, um, uh, in your kindness, in your compassion, blot out all my offenses, the great penitential psalm. So misericordia, with a merciful heart. Okay. Um, turba turbe. This is a crowd or a multitude. It can also mean a mob. I love this word uh, just because it makes me smile. Um, it, at the Easter Vigil, uh, the great exultet, which is sung by the deacon uh, before the, the, when the Paschal candle is, is brought in, and, uh, and he sings the Easter proclamation. And the opening line is, uh, Exultet iam angelica turva <laughs> Which literally, you know, uh, rejoice heavenly you know, mob of angels. <laughs> um, 
uh, anyway, so I'm just imagining this this mob of angels, uh, which is what turba can mean, but crowd or multitude. All right. Victoria Victoriae uh, is a, a victory, and obviously uh, we get our word victory and the woman's name Victoria from it. Oh, incidentally, with, with turba, uh, you can find... Uh, Forms like, in English, like turbid, uh, turbulent, and consequently things like a turbojet, uh, um, uh, uh, turbocharged. Uh, things are swirling around a lot the way a mob does. That's why we use that word. And, you know, uh, mobs uh, can be uh, real problematic, so we get our word disturb uh, from that, you know, that uh, can mess things up. All right. Um, and then, oh, here's a lovely word. Diaconus diaconi, uh, a deacon. Um, uh, this is actually a Latin word, again, like so many of our, of our Christian Latin words, comes from the Greek. Uh, diakonos in Greek means a servant. But it's a, uh, it is not the usual Greek word for like a, a, you remember that in the classical world, slavery was very commonplace. And so in the New Testament, the usual word for, that we would translate in English as servant is doulos, uh, which literally means a slave. A diakonus has more of a sense of somebody who um, serves at table, um, and, uh, and also serves on behalf of somebody else. In, in that sense, diaconus is much more like minister, which would be the Latin word. Uh, but because a lot of our um, uh, Christian words come from Greek, and Latin borrow, even classical Latin would borrow from Greek a lot because it was the language of learning. Um, so it's not surprising that diakonos, diakonus in Latin really does have a very Christian meaning, uh, specifically of someone like me, you know, somebody who is ordained as a deacon, um, where it might not have that sense to a, a pagan Greek speaker, for example. All right. Responsum responsi, this is neuter, um, second declension neuter, and this means an answer or a response, obviously. Um, votum voti. Uh, this is a vow or a prayer. Incidentally, we get our word vote from this, from votum. We also get our word votary or votive. Well, votary or votive, that's pretty obvious. You know, if you're lighting a candle, it's a votive candle. It's, you know, a prayer or a vow. But a votum is, as a vote, is also related to this. And I keep, in my mind, I have the idea, you know, thinking to what happens in a conclave when the cardinals gather to vote for a new pope, right? And each one of them, one by one, as he approaches the altar in, in the Sistine Chapel, he's under Michelangelo's glorious, you know, and scary last judgment scene, you know, with the people being hauled off to hell and others going up to heaven and Christ the judge right there in the center. He holds aloft his ballot and he says in Latin, I won't say it in Latin, but he says, he says something to the effect that, uh, I swear before Almighty God and Christ who will be my judge 
that the ballot I am casting is for the person I think should be elected Pope. So I often think as citizens, if we took that same seriousness with which we approach uh, our voting, you know, we would, that might change how we approach things. You know, if we're thinking, I swear before Almighty God and Christ, who will be my judge, that the ballot I am casting for soil and water commissioner, you know, is for the person I think should be elected, you know, um, adds a little seriousness to it if we think of it as a sacred duty uh, rather than just something we do. And it also might incline us to, you know, not shirk our responsibility in that regard if we thought about that. Anyway, I, that was my soapbox again, and I'll step down from it. Very good. All right, moving on to an adjective, carus caracarum, um, is dear or beloved. But this one always takes the dative. I mean, you can use it as, as just a description. So if you say, for example, you know, if I'm, uh, you know, talking about my, uh, uh, say, my, uh, my daughter, Juliana, and I would say, Juliana Cara, you know, dear Juliana, Juliana. But um, uh, if I'm saying, just as in English, we would say someone is dear to someone else, you would take the dative. So, for example, if you uh, if you're saying um, uh, 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 John is dear to Mary, you know, because our Lord gave uh, Mary into into John's care, so you'd say Johannes Carus Marie to Mary in the dative, right? Um, and obviously, this is related to our English word care. Uh, um, uh, all right. Dinus aum, we talked about that and how that takes the ablative, and this is worthy of, and then of course it's opposite, in dinus aum is unworthy of. And then we've learned the word, the verb firmo, firmare, firmavi, firmatus. So we have an adjective that is related to that, infirmus aum and infirmus aum. So steadfast or firm, or the opposite would be weak or sick. And obviously, we have in English firm and infirm, <laughs> infirmary for those who are sick and so forth. Okay. Um, mestus aum means sad. This one gets kind of confusing because it comes up in the Mass, and I always hear priests who are saying it in Latin, and they come to maestas or maestate, and they or they or they you know they come to this word and they, they they mispronounce it. They they get the two confused, and of course maestas is uh, is majesty, but mestus is sad is sad. <laughs> so they're different words. Okay, so mestus aum, so it's a first and second declension adjective. Um, Nazarenus aum is of Nazareth, a Nazarene, a Nazarene, so this, you know, Jesus Nazarenus, Jesus of Nazareth, or Jesus the Nazarene. Okay. Um, plenus aum, full, and this always takes the ablative as well. We talked about that earlier in the chapter. Um, so plenus, and obviously we get our English word, you know, plenary, plenty, 
you know, um, from this. Um, primus aum is first, and so we get primary, prime, you know, uh, from from that. Um, uh, as a as an idiom, in primis, literally. Uh, amongst first things, right? Uh, it, it, uh, so it's plural. In primis, that means at first or in the first place. Um, that's just a that's just a, a, a an idiom, Latin idiom. It's it's in the plural, but it, you know, in the first place. In English, we would use a singular, but but in in Latin, it's plural. In primis, amongst first things, literally. Um, universus aum, uh, all or the whole, and obviously our word universe, yeah, universal, anything like that. Okay, all or, or, or um, the whole. And it's obviously related to the uh, adjective unus, aum, so unus, una, unum, depending on our gender. Um, and that is... Uh, um, one, it's also a way of saying a or an. Remember, we've talked about how Latin does not have a uh, definite article and an indefinite article. And so if you just have a noun, it can be either the book or a book. But you can express it in other ways if you really need to, to make it clear. So you could say uh, unus liber. Um, uh, one book or a book, and actually our English word a and an come are, are the same word as one, um, uh, which is not so obvious in English. But if we take a cognate uh, Germanic language like say O German, where ein and ein are the same word, you know, um, one and an, um, a obs ob. This is a preposition that always takes the ablative, and it means by, with the sense of the agency. We've also used that uh, in, in the sense of from, uh, with the ablative of separation. All right. Bene, well. Now we get to uh, um, the most wonderful name in the universe, of course, is Jesus. And so we get Jesus. And you think, oh, U-S, oh, but it's a long U. Okay, and it doesn't seem to follow uh, any, any, it doesn't seem like it quite follows our second declension. And as we learn later on, we'll get to the, you know, in Latin too, you'll get to the fourth uh, declension and you'll see that there are also U.S. nouns uh, that are in a different declension, but they, uh, but this doesn't fit that either. So we have Jesus is the nominative. Jesu is both the vocative and the genitive and the dative and the ablative. And then Jesum is the accusative. Um, this is Jesus, obviously, but since Jesus, Jesus, comes from the Greek Jesus, which is the Greek form for the Hebrew name Yeshua, 
which is Joshua in, in the Old Testament. So uh, uh, it means the Lord saves. And uh, uh, anyway, it comes into Latin as Jesus. Um, Collins writes it with a J, uh, but you'll often see it in more recent texts written with a capital I, but that's that I that is, you know, treated like a Y. Um, as a consonant, it's a consonantal I. Um, here's how you can remember that Jesus is different and why you wouldn't say Jesus, Yezi, Yezo, Yezum, Yezo. Um, well, Jesus is God and man, and so he is absolutely unique of anyone who is of the human race. And this noun, Jesus, Jesu, Jesu, Jesum, Jesu, is absolutely unique from all the other declensions uh, of Latin nouns. There you go. How's that? All right. Um, incidentally, <laughs> we had an altar server a few years ago, and uh, we were talking before Mass, and somehow we got onto this. He was taking Latin in high school. And, uh, and so I made that crack about the, about Jesus, Jesus being completely unique. And then a few months later, he came, or a couple of, a few weeks later, a couple of months later, he came back to me and he said, Deacon, I have to tell you, I was in class and I was just kind of dozing off, just kind of zoning out. And the teacher thought he would make an example of me. And so he asked me what declension Jesus was in. And I remembered what you'd said, and so I said, oh, he's com Jesus is completely unique, so Jesus is his own declension. And he said, <laughs> just our little banter in the sacristy before Mass had uh, uh, saved his bacon uh, um, some weeks later. <laughs> okay, um, a couple more words here. Um, male is an adverb for badly or poorly. Um, and, uh, you know, we have in English, you know, they'll talk about, um, I mean, this is an adverb from malus, right? The malus, mala, malum, um, uh, that we er, did a few weeks ago. Um, it's also related, uh, you know, in English we have, we have that mal that we put in front of things, like if somebody's maladjusted, they're not, you know, well-fitting to whatever they're in. Okay. Um, male habere is to be sick. This is another idiom. Um, uh, to have poorly, uh, <laughs> literally, right? Um, but it's just an idiom to remember. Propter. Propter is a preposition, and it always, it's one of those prepositions that always takes the accusative. Okay. And this means on account of or because of something. Propter maniam gloriam tuam. Uh, on account of your great glory, we say um, in the, uh, in the, the gloria. Um, all right, propter. Okay, vocabulary notes. I think we went through all of these things as we were going and we've done our, our derivatives. So um, looking at our homework, uh, the drills, uh, um, mostly on page 62 and then the exercises on page 62 and 63, uh, work on those, you know, again, when we, we uh, uh, 
later in the week. Uh, if you have any questions, uh, drop me an email at alann at archspm.org. Um, and uh, I'll try to answer them in, in a supplemental podcast when we go through the uh, exercises. Otherwise, we'll kind of go through the exercises, pick out uh, the ones that maybe have something interesting to them, or maybe, you know, do like every other one or so as we've done for the last uh, few weeks. And uh, very good. Um, and then next week, we are going to be moving on to the imperfect indicative active, which is one of the past tenses. Uh, that we've talked about, uh, and we'll do that for all four conjugations. So that's a lot of fun. More verbs. Yay. All right. Very good. God bless you. Talk to you next time. Thank you.